All right, good morning again, everybody. If we haven't met, my name is Caleb. I'm the lead pastor here. I hope that you've been warmly greeted by friendly people. Um, we, I, I, have, I have another announcement besides uh, Monica's fun announcement. Congratulations, Monica, again. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I introduced them, by the way. <clears throat> um, You've been hearing me talk for the past few weeks about uh, the possibility of a new venue for us, a new place that we would meet uh, on Sundays. And uh, we've been starting to gather a few people and kind of let them know and create some stuff to get people excited about it. We've been moving toward it. This, this particular place that we've been moving toward, uh, we tried on three separate occasions over the last two years to get this place, and we were shut down flat each time. And then all of a sudden, just a few months ago, they called us and said, hey, uh, this, this, this is a thing. It might, something's changed. It might be available. Uh, that place has now, uh, we've hit a serious roadblock. And so we met with the city at the end of last week, and they told us that there's this uh, restriction, a zoning restriction that they overlaid on top of the original zoning of the, of the property that is going to be a real hurdle for us. So it was a discouraging week last week. I just wanted to let you know that. I will tell you now what this place is that we were moving at. This is the Regency Movie Theater that we have been moving at taking over on Beach and Warner. And uh, we're we've been excited about that. Uh, it still is possible, but the city looks like uh, they're going to make it very difficult for us. So uh, I tell you that because I want you to know where we are. I've been talking about it. I'm just laying it out there for you. That's it. That's the truth of it. And what we're doing is, uh, is, is simply this. It's like the, the double-handed faith thing, right? On the one hand, we believe God's bigger than all of this. Uh, he owns all the land. He has all the money. He has all the keys and the influence. If he wants to make this happen, he can make it happen. And so we trust that God is bigger beyond and in control. At the same time, we're also actively doing what we can to try to influence it, right? Having some uh, friends of ours that are influential kind of go and meet with the city and talk to them. We're like, hey, come on, guys, come on, be nice. You can, you can do this. It's not that hard. Uh, and so, and so that's, that's our stance. I, I, I want you to know that, A, because it's a faith journey. It always is. And we trust God. God is good. Uh, the Bible says one of, one of my favorite Proverbs, uh, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. On paper, uh, this looks like it's a great next spot for us, but he might have something better, right? At the same time, if you happen to golf with a high-ranking city official, Just saying. <clears throat> so that's our posture, and I just wanted to keep that uh, open and honest and in front of all you guys so that you could pray with us uh, as we, as we kind of figure this out and, and keep marching in this direction, and, and we'll see what God does. Uh, in, in light of that, would you pray with me now uh, for this instance, this issue, but also for our time together this morning? Lord, we love our church. We're so grateful for all the things that you're doing here. We also recognize that this is your church, and you know what you are doing. You're in control. We agree today that we trust your timing, and we want your will to be done. Not my will, not our will, but your will to be done. Please go to work on our behalf. Our desire is to simply point more and more people to you, but we trust you with the outcomes. We pray for these things. We pray for your continued presence that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
So we're continuing the series, Love Where you, you Live, and we're using these Google pins to illuminate the fact that you live here. I don't know whether that here is Huntington Beach or Fountain Valley or Westminster or Garden Grove or, you know, wherever. We have, if you've seen our map that's been outside for the past few weeks, uh, there are pins on this map all over Orange County, people that come to our church from, from all kinds of different places. So it's certainly not just Huntington Beach. Uh, but you love where you live as a verb, as an action, uh, as, as, as a decision to engage and to be and to participate and to bless. And one really important aspect of loving where we live is what we're going to talk about today. It's this idea of legacy, that you will live and leave a legacy behind you. Yes, for your family, and sometimes we think about that. Sometimes we only think about that when we go to a funeral and we hear a eulogy and we're like, oh, someone's going to say something like that about me one day. What are they going to say, right? But even beyond your family, think about the community that you live in. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? I was walking downtown uh, on Main Street recently, and I, I hadn't noticed in a while those plaques that are on the concrete, like, like these here. And I'm walking, and I'm seeing these plaques, and I'm thinking, these, these represent people, uh, in this instance, who are really good surfers. We live in Surf City, and so they've memorialized the achievements of these people in the area of surfing. And you have a statue as well that memorializes the Duke and his, his surfing ability and the legacy that he's left on Surf City because of how good he is at this thing. And that's great. Surfing is awesome. And some of you probably want to have a plaque on Main Street about your surfing abilities. And there's probably a couple people in our church that do. But there's more to life than surfing. There's more to legacy than a plaque on concrete that says that you are really good at catching waves. There's more. Have you considered lately what your legacy will be? In my dad's house, there is a shadow box. It's a shadow box that memorializes my grandfather. He has one. His brothers and sisters have one. His mom has one. It looks like this. That's my dad's shadow box of my grandfather. In it, you see a Bible, a glass piano, a picture of my grandfather, Tommy Anderson, a little plaque that doesn't say pastor, it doesn't say, it just says dad, and the date that he lived, the dates that he lived. You see some glasses, a clock, and a little, a little pin in the shape of a saxophone. It was like a tie pin. Now, when I look at this, I, I think of a few things. I, I, I look at the Bible, and it reminds me that my grandpa read the Bible most days, that he preached from the Bible for decades, that he stood in front of a church like ours, and Sunday after Sunday for years and years and years, he taught from that Bible. He was committed to God, and he wanted to convey to people. He, he preached often in 
uh, like patent leather shoes and like a, a white suit. He was one of those old school kind of preachers that would like get fired up and he would start like the, the foot pounding and he would pound on the pulpit and he would dance around a little bit and the coat jacket might come off at one point when he got worked up and he, he loved to just get after it and preach. He was also, the, the piano reminds me that he was also an incredible musician. He literally played like 12 instruments. He could pick it up and learn something in just a few days, from horns to keys to strings. I mean, he just, he played it all. And, and sometimes we'd be sitting in, in a church service up in Victorville where he pastored the church, and, uh, and he, would, he would get up from his seat during the worship set, and he would go and he would grab whatever, whatever instrument was available and not being used at that particular time, and he would start playing it. I don't think it was scripted. I don't think that uh, the conductor person, because they had choirs and whatnot, I don't think that he knew what was going to happen. But my grandpa, he would just be feeling it, and he couldn't, he couldn't help himself. He... <laughs> He'd, he'd just pop up, and he'd go grab something and just jump in. And then he would put it down, and then he would preach way too long. But he would, he know, <laughs> then he would talk after, after that. And, uh, and that church grew. I mean, he, he started this church, or he took it over when it was about 200 people, and it grew, and it grew, and they bought land and property. And, and, and that, was, that, was, that was his thing that he did in Victorville for 25 plus years. The glasses, the glasses, they remind me that even though he was so talented and, and had lots of people that loved him and followed him and everything, that, that he was still just a regular guy. He was frail. He was human. He needed glasses to help him see when he read. And, and even though he felt heroic to me as a kid, he was just, he was just a, regular, a regular guy. And then the pocket watch it reminds me that uh, he always made time for me. That he loved his family. Even though he was really influential up there and busy, and whenever we came up, it was like the highlight of his month. And his kids and his grandkids, he had 11 of us. I was the oldest of the 11 grandkids, and he just loved us well. And he would take us out in the doom buggy, Victorville. <clears throat> And, uh, and we'd go out on these random trails, and we got stuck in the sand one time for like four hours, but it didn't matter because we were with Grandpa, and we just loved it. And this is what I remember. And I look at that, and it hangs on in my dad's office, and it's, it's a memorial. It's a tangible reminder of the legacy that my grandfather left. The time that he spent with me and the things that I saw him do and the things that I learned from him and the way he loved me and so many others. So I ask you this morning, what will be in your shadow box? What will be in your shadow box? What will people remember about you? How will they remember you? What will they appreciate in what ways will you leverage the gifts and abilities that God has given you for the sake of other people so that your legacy, your gifts, your generosity extends so far beyond you, even beyond your life and your time on this earth? How will you be remembered? What will hang on the walls in your family's home, 
What will people in your town and in your city say was the mark that you made? That they're so glad that you were here. I worked for five years at uh, Saddleback Church, and I got to work uh, under Rick Warren, and it was the season that he was writing and launched the Purpose Driven Life book, which became the best-selling hardback book in history, and uh, it, it made their family literally like $50 million, and they made a decision about how that they were going to spend and what they weren't going to spend, and that they were going to give 90% of that away. And, and all those kinds of things. And I remember he, him talking about how he was processing this wild new success that he had never dreamed of, this, this fame and notoriety that he didn't even want. And he said that God had to teach him the stewardship of influence and affluence. That these things are from God. The influence that you have is from God. The influence that he's given you is from God. The affluence, the stuff that you have is from him. What will you do with those things? Stewardship your influence. Now, you might not have a million followers on Twitter, but someone's following you. Someone's watching. You might not stand on a stage and speak to groups of people, but someone's listening to you. Someone's listening. You might not have millions of dollars to your name that you can start organizations and give to charities, but you have something. God has given you the influence and the affluence that you have. And our job, our role is to figure out how we steward those things for good, to last beyond ourselves, to be a blessing to other people, not just us. So in the next few minutes together, we're going to talk about what it means to be intentional about leaving a legacy. Yes, for our family, but also for our community and what that looks like. And I'm going to share with you three things that I would invite you to consider regarding what would help us to be intentional about leaving a legacy. They're going to be in your outline. The first thing is simply this. I'm going to encourage you to empty your cup, to empty your cup. I'll explain to you what I mean after I read you this psalm. This is, from, this is from Psalm 23. It might be familiar to many of you. And I just want you to relax and take a deep breath and let me read this over you. Some of you just need to receive this psalm this morning. And then I'll tell you where I want to go from here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you, God, are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me, in the presence of even my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I want to talk about that little phrase, my cup overflows with blessing. What do you do with a cup? You receive and then you can do one of two things. You can drink or you can pour out. You drink 
or you pour out. Those are the only things that you do with a cup. And what the psalmist David is saying here is that God has filled his cup so full that he can't even drink it all. It's more than he can handle, and it just it overflows into the lives of the people around him. A cup throughout Scripture is used just to represent our life in a lot of ways and, and the abundance or the lacking that we have in life. And David is saying, God, because of you, my cup overflows. I have so much, and it's not just stuff. It's satisfaction, it's joy, it's relationship, it's hope for the future, it's purpose in the present, and my cup is just overflowing. And it's overflowing into the lives of people around me because it just, it just bubbles over. I'm so grateful to you, God. You are such a provider. I have more even than I need. And so it flows and I give to other people. Now, here's the thing. It's not yours or my job to fill anyone else's cup. Only God can fill cups. But it is our job to empty ours. It's not your job to fill someone else. It's only your job to empty your cup. There will be people who don't understand boundaries, and there will be people who just want, 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 and take, take, take. And it's not your job to fill everyone else. Only God can fill cups. But it is your job, it is my job, to pour out what he gives to us into the lives of others, trusting that it's him who replenishes, it's him who refills, it's him who gives generously to the point of overflowing, and we pour our life and God's generosity into the lives of other people. If you're a single mom and you're trying to figure out, I don't even have anything left, trust that it's God who fills you up, and he will give you enough to empty your cup into your kids and into the lives of the people around you. If you're an employer and you're thinking, I am just so spread thin, and money is so tight, but I want to love my people well. I want to take care of my people. Trust. It's not you who fills cups. It's God who fills cups, but he will use you if you let him empty you out into other people. There's a verse, John 4, 14 says, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. This is Jesus talking. It will become a fresh, bubbling spring from within them, giving them eternal life. So it's Jesus who fills us up from the inside. His living water, his life, it's, he's the source of life. It, it just comes from within us. And then we pour it out into the lives of other people. The question is, are you allowing God to refill you? Are you allowing him to replenish, to restore to spring up from within you. When, I, when you're dry, when you're discouraged, when you're empty, how do you let God refill you? I asked that question to some people this week, and they gave me some of their answers. These, these are people in our church, and they said, when, when I am feeling dry, when I'm feeling like I don't have anything to give, when I'm feeling burnt out, when I'm feeling confused or just exhausted, this is how I've experienced God refilling me. They, they, they gave some ideas. The one is spending time in prayer. Someone said that she literally goes and she gets on her knees and she puts her face in a chair and she just prays until God just begins to lighten and give hope and give guidance 
and allows her to feel his presence. Someone else said gardening. That when they garden, they're, they're encountering God's creation and, and seeing how he brings life, even in the form of plants and vegetation and things, and they feel this connection to him, and he restores in that sense. Someone else said playing with their kids, that they just see that joy, that hope, that optimism, that simple childlike faith, and, and then they remember that these are God's gifts to them and that they are like God's little kids, and that restores and brings hope and joy to them. Someone else said just choosing joy, that they have to make an intentional decision. I'm going to choose joy. Even though the circumstances I'm going through are really difficult, I choose to be joyful, to be grateful. And then I find that later the, the feelings follow. The feelings follow my actions. Someone else said by being with others, by allowing God to encourage me, by being with other people who are encouraging. Music was said that letting my soul engage with music, serving somebody else offered, that, that when I serve someone else, it takes the focus off of me and my own self-centeredness. And by focusing on someone else, I found God restore and replenish and rejuvenate. And then the last one was reading and believing God's word. That his word is truth. That he has the words of life. And by going and reading and reflecting and believing in his word, it, it replenishes, it restores. It's like, it's like food for our souls. And that, that is what reorients and refocuses and refreshes. The interesting thing about scripture is that it is also, in a sense, God's legacy to us. It's, it's one of the ways that we see God's faithfulness throughout generations, throughout all of time, that he's been faithful to people time after time after time, people just like us, imperfect people who screw things up just like us, and he is, is faithful. And that's like, in a sense, his shadow box that we can go and we can look to and we can say, God has been faithful all this time. He will be faithful still. He has replenished, he has restored, and he will do it again for me. And so we can have confidence to empty our cup, knowing that it's him who fills us up. The second thing is that we plant seeds. We plant seeds. Matthew chapter 13 talks about a farmer that scatters seeds. Here are sunflower seeds. Talk to me afterwards if you're, if you're coveting the sunflower seeds. Matthew 13, there's a farmer that he takes some seeds out and he's, He's scattering them. And Jesus is telling this parable, and he's saying that some of the seeds falls on the path, which is hard, and the birds come, and they just pick the seeds up, and it's gone. Some of the seeds fall in shallow soil, and so it, it kind of sprouts up pretty quick, but there's no roots. And so when the sun's really hot and when the climate's tough, the, those plants die because they don't have a good root system. Still other seeds fall uh, amongst thorns, and so they grow up, but the thorns are difficult, and they choke out the life of the plant. But some seeds... Some seeds fall in fertile soil, and they grow and they produce 10 and 100 times what was originally planted. That's exponential growth and influence as a result. And Jesus is talking about this in terms of the kingdom of God, saying, you scatter, and you don't know where it all goes. But you bring life, you bring love, 
You bring God's kingdom with you. You spread seeds, and you let God do the work. Notice, he doesn't say, he doesn't, he doesn't condemn the farmer for his inefficiency. As if to say, hey, 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 you should have like surveyed the scene first, dude. Like, what, why are you wasting your seeds in these places? Like, zero in on the most fertile soil and just dump all your seeds there. He doesn't say that. He says, scatter your seeds. In other words, we don't get to choose who gets blessed. We don't get to choose who gets seeds and who does and who doesn't deserve God's kingdom, God's love, God's hope, his generosity, his forgiveness. We don't choose. We don't withhold. We just scatter seeds. We scatter seeds, and we let God do the growing, do the miracle. When you encourage, when you pray for, when you play with, when you serve, when you work diligently at the office, when you speak truth, when you care for people without looking for something back, you are scattering seeds, seeds of life, seeds of God's kingdom. And you're pouring out, you're pouring out from overflowing. So I invite you to ask yourself this morning, how am I investing my life for good? Practically, how am I pouring out into other people's lives? What does it look like for me to be scattering seeds? Where am I scattering? Am I engaged with other people? Am I generous with the things that God has given me, with the life that he's given me, with the relationship with him that I have? Am I being generous? What does that look like? In your outline, I gave you a little box, and it, it says on the left hand, influence, on the right hand, affluence. Where is my time and energy going? And where are my financial resources going? Am I pouring out? Am I emptying my cup? Am I scattering seeds? Or am I just storing up for me? We empty our cup. We plant seeds. And third, we bloom where we're planted. We bloom where we're planted. Jeanette got me this plant for your viewing pleasure. This is a plant that is blooming. <laughs> You're welcome. The, the Navajo, Native American tribe, they have a tradition. When a child is born, they cut the umbilical cord, and they dig a hole in the ground in the place where the child was born, and they leave the umbilical, umbilical cord in the ground, as if to say to the child, you are forever connected to this place. That there is some kind of connection between you and the place that you were born. Because here's what they believe. They believe that if you have a connection to place, that you will honor the people in that place. And they believe that we need each other and that we're connected in community. And by remembering that there is a place that I come from, a place where I am, a place that I honor, that you will honor that place and you will honor that people and you will respect it and you will be a contributor instead of a consumer. You will be a giver instead of a taker. That you will protect people in that place and you will protect that place and that land instead of just using it for your own benefit. That's their belief. That's the way they look at it. 
Jeremiah 29, 7 says this, Do good things for the city where I sent you as captives. Pray to the Lord for the city where you are living, because if good things happen in the city, good things will happen to you also. God will bless you as you bless the place where you find yourself. Place matters. Even when it seems arbitrary, even when you seem like I just kind of wound up here, it matters. And God intends for you to bloom where he's planted you. Even if you're thinking to yourself, no, 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 I'm just going to get transferred again for my job anyway. I'm not really going to reach out and connect with people. Even if you're just thinking to yourself, well, when I get married, I'm going to move likely anyway. And I'm going to, no, no, no. You're here now. Bloom where you're planted. Contribute. Care for. Empty your cup. Scatter seeds. Be where you are. Leave a legacy in this place where God has put you. Uh, if you go up the 15 freeway still to this day, uh, I'm not sure why you would, but if you were, if you were gonna <laughs> go into Vegas or you had some business to do in Victorville or, or something like that, you will, uh, you will come across an a, a In-N-Out burger, probably stop there before it's too late, and then... And then the very next exit in Victorville is, uh, is this exit. I think it's Bear Valley Road. And uh, you will see my grandfather's church on the side of the freeway. It's on the right-hand side if you're going north on the 15. And it's uh, Victorville First Assembly. And you'll see the big kind of auditorium structure. And you'll see a field because he started a school there as well. And you'll see this place. And it's, and it's a physical representation of the influence that my grandfather and, and a lot of other good people in the church had and have had on that city. And you'll see it, and, and, and you'll see that there's still a lot of people that come and they meet in that building, and there's great ministry still happening there today. But the real legacy is in the lives of the people, as in the lives of thousands of people. Yes, and even in Victorville, there's thousands of people Thousands of people who have been positively impacted by my grandfather, being intentional about his legacy, being intentional about pouring out his cup, trusting that it would be his God that would keep filling him up again and again, years and years, Sunday after Sunday, day after day, message after message, instrument after, and whatever he did, God would fill him up and he would just keep pouring out that he would scatter seeds, that he wouldn't choose who gets to hear the truth, who gets to have some hope, who gets to be loved today. He would just scatter. And that he would be where he was, even in Victorville, that he would give it his best, that he would bloom there, that he would make an impact there. How much more for us, friends, in this time and in this place? What legacy will you live? What will be in your shadow box? Start now. Let's love where we live and leave a legacy. God, I pray that you would continue to speak to us, that you would continue to inspire us, that you would, you would help us to persevere through roadblocks, that we would be committed to emptying our cups, allowing you to fill us up, scattering seeds to advance your kingdom. For, for people to know your love and your forgiveness and the hope that they have. Everybody wants your hope. Everybody wants hope. 
and wants to know that you are for them and not against them. And then help us to bloom where we're planted, right here, right now, not thinking too much about where we wish we were or where we might be one day, but just that we would contribute and allow you to lose, use us in the place that we are. God, as we think about our legacy, we remember that our legacies are only built on your legacy. We thank you and we honor you this morning.